This episode of YXE Underground is supported by Rob Romvi and his team at Romvi Wealth Management Group of RBC Dominion Securities in North Battleford. If you need someone to invest and take care of your money, Rob Romvi is the person to see. It's just reality, right? It's just you. But I can see the look in the parents' eyes when they're asking. They don't want to ask. And they're shy or embarrassed. And, you know, they don't have to be. Um, because... We're going to do what we can to help. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Danielle Hoffert. She's the feature guest in Season 5, Episode 4 of YXE Underground. Whether it's peanut butter and toast, yogurt and berries, or scrambled eggs and bacon, starting your day with the opportunity to have breakfast is something most of us take for granted. If you're an elementary school student, you need that fuel to get you through the first part of your day. Danielle Hoffert's determination and compassion is ensuring kids at St. Mary's Wellness and Education Centre in Saskatoon are getting the supports they need when it comes to food security. But as you'll hear in this episode, Danielle's impact on her students and their families goes well beyond breakfast. You are about to meet a pretty amazing person in this episode of YXE Underground. Welcome to St. Mary's Wellness and Education Centre. It's a Friday morning and the hallways are quiet because three-way conferences are happening today. That's where teacher, student, and parents get together to talk about how the school year is going so far. Danielle has a unique role at St. Mary's. She's the Aboriginal Student Achievement Coordinator and works with students in a variety of ways to help them reach their academic potential, but to also help with their cultural and community needs. St. Mary's is home to 300 students with more than 90% of the population being Indigenous. The school, which was built back in 2012 and is part of the Greater Saskatoon Catholic School Division, also has a nutrition program, wellness centre, access to Indigenous elders, social workers, psychiatrists, and a paediatric centre. You'll hear Danielle mention in our conversation that St. Mary's is a hub for the Pleasant Hill community because of all the important resources it offers. It really is an impressive place. One of Danielle's favorite places in St. Mary's is the activity room located on the second floor. We have a track that goes all the way around our uh, gym upstairs here. And the kids just love it because they have agility. It's just another way for kids to have um, physical education. This is amazing. Okay, so um, because this is podcast radio um can you can you describe it in as as much vivid detail as you can okay yeah so (laughs) this space is above our gym um there's a full running track around the outside and then on the inside of the space are uh the stationary bikes we have some stair climbers treadmills there's the uh, trx system where you can attach uh, and do some uh body resistance training um, the kids tend to use it more of mon- as monkey bars because <laughs> it's more fun <laughs> that way um, our kids are really into boxing so we have some boxing equipment um, and they can do that uh, we also just got funding for one of our disabled students and it's in the it's in the storage room there um, is a bike it's like a recumbent bike that he's able to use and his ea is able to steer him around the school on so that piece of equipment was very special and 
<laughs> to see this little boy riding it every day, you guys, it would just like, it's just the best thing in the world. He's literally like squealing with excitement and how fun it is for him to do that because he's never been able to do that before. And he's in grade eight and he's 13 years old, you know, so his first time riding a bike. So yes, the space is awesome. And especially when we have uh, indoor recesses, this is a nice, <laughs> nice place that kids can come burn their energy off and uh, get that, uh, yeah, get that extra physical education. Danielle is a liaison between the school and the greater community. You will hear her discuss her work in applying for grants for food hamper programs for students and families and the relationships she has with Indigenous elders to celebrate and honour Indigenous culture within the school. I came into this interview really wanting to focus on Danielle's work in helping students struggling with food security. She has a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition from the University of Saskatchewan and has worked in places like Quint, the Saskatoon Friendship Inn, and CHEP here in Saskatoon. For the past 14 years, she has worked within the Greater Saskatoon Catholic School Division, first as a community school coordinator and now as an Aboriginal Student Achievement Coordinator. I wanted her perspective on the challenges many families and students are currently facing right now when it comes to food security. But what quickly became clear as Danielle was touring us around was just how much she cares about her students in all facets of their lives. That was confirmed when we were walking down a hallway and two very excited teachers began waving at us. I don't know if they're waving at me. You, I'm assuming you. I'm trying to... Oh, yeah, those are my uh, fans, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. This is unsolicited. She is the greatest human being in the school. She does so much. She is selfless. She just comes here, does everything for the kids, whatever they need. Every family loves her. We love her here, yeah. even though she's short. She's packed so much punch in that. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I quickly get your name and what you do, and then if you want to keep talking? Sure. My name is Megan Mashisnik. I'm a learning <laughs> assistance teacher for grades 6 to 8 at St. Mary's Education and Wellness. It's the best school ever. We have kids that are actually like fighting to get onto her schedule. Well, they're like, do I get to go with Miss Hoffer today? I worked with her last year. So works on those relationships more than anything else. And our kids just value her as much as we do. It's a beautiful thing. What makes her so amazing? Makes Danielle so amazing. I think that Danielle's authentic relationships with kids is the most important. Like she puts the way that she feels about kids above everything else. And I think they feel that and then they want to work with her. Oh, I'm getting all teary-eyed, Danny. <laughs> she gives up her own time for them. She yeah. finds what they're interested in and makes it exciting. Like she brought in number ninjas and she's bringing in art classes, like meaningful things to keep the kids occupied after school as well, because that is huge. And she's bringing in so many after school programming, which is like what we need here. Danielle's here because she loves our kids. She loves our community. And that's why she's here and that's why she does her job. What is your name? I'm Andrea Johansson. I'm a classroom teacher at St. Mary's Wellness and Education Center. This is this this was really wonderful. I'm glad <laughs> to, I'm glad that you were making smiley faces yeah, through the glass. We're just such big fans of Danielle, and everybody yeah. needs to know how great she is. Does this happen all the time oh, when you walk down hallways? No, I wish it did. I kind of feel like a rock star right now. <laughs> Although, oh, but how does that make you feel when you're? When your friends and colleagues say that about you. Well, you know, it is nice to be valued in that way. And, and we don't get a chance to say that to each other like this, in this kind of uh, way. So it's, it's nice to hear, absolutely. I feel a little uh, emotional <laughs> hearing it, and I'm glad to hear it from, you know, my, my coworkers. So, yeah, it's lovely. Okay, so I missed this part. This is our Cree classroom. So kids at St. Mary's It's get, not often uh, people rush towards uh, me begging to be interviewed, which I think speaks volumes to Danielle's impact in the school. 
Once we finished the tour, we made our way back to Danielle's office to talk about everything from why students need food to begin their day to how she tries her best to leave hard days at work. I started our conversation by asking Danielle how she would describe her role at St. Mary's. It's hard to talk about what I do because I think like we're sort of jack of all trades here. So it's like we do everything. And so to put it into um, a description is kind of difficult. Um, and so we have what our, our job description, I think, says is that we are, we have a caseload of students, um, that we work directly with Indigenous students, um, particularly, and it's to improve their academic success. And so we know that Indigenous kids are graduating at lower levels than any other students, and so they put this position into place so that we could help those students achieve higher graduation rates is what the government asks of us, right? Um, and so to do that, we also have to work on everything else to get them to graduate. So that comes with like food, um, working with food programs, clothing, uh, parents, housing, um, just sort of all the basics. And, and then we also do tons of um, cultural work. So get, bringing in um, guest speakers, uh, doing dance troupe. Um, I run four ceremonies a year. They're called feast. So we have feast four times a year here and we do that on the solstice. And it's quite a bit of work. We get all the women together in the kitchen and, and we prepare food. And then uh, families and students all come together and there's a pipe ceremony and then we feast together. So uh, that's four times a year we do that. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, this is awkward for me. I'm not much of a speaker, but... Um... No, I think, I think you're doing fantastic. <laughs> okay. I, I, have, I have to ask you, so, like, you, sure. um, you just gave Rana and I, like, an absolutely wonderful tour um, of St. Mary's, and oh. when you said that you're, like, a jack-of-all-trades, that, that became very clear about two seconds into our tour because you seem to know so much about every single aspect of of this of this school um for for people because th this is my first time here at saint mary's right. um i've never seen the never seen the building before first time here and i'm absolutely blown away how like how do you describe saint mary's when when you're talking with you know friends or colleagues or like how how do you describe this place because it's very unique it is very unique saint mary's school is in the pleasant hill community of saskatoon um, we have 300 students. Uh, I think there's 60 staff uh, on our at our school who do a variety of roles. So we have, um, you know, we have all the supports in in the community that or in the school that we need, uh, and that's a nutrition program. Um, uh, we have elders. We have our our uh, our our wellness center, the pediatric clinic, and uh, psychiatrists and social workers and so that's just kind of a gist of St. Mary's um, but also to go with like it being in the Pleasant Hill community um, this community is was actually a few years ago they did a, a, a study and it was called the health disparity study and I think they identified um, Pleasant Hill um, as one that stood out because it had the highest health disparities in all of Saskatoon. So there was higher rates of 
variable diseases and and um, even death and mortality. Um, and that all comes down to like, if you look at the health, um, determinants of health, and it's about education, it's about poverty, it's about food access. Um, so yeah, so this community is, was really identified as needing all of these supports. So that's what St. Mary's tries to do, it tries to bring all of that together so that we're supporting the community in a way that's meaningful. Um, yeah. <clears throat> may, may I ask you about the food access? Sure. Um, we, when, when we were, um, on the tour, you showed me a couple of spots. There, there was the, um, the area where, um, food is prepared here, but mm -hmm. then there's also a very unique attendance program, um, mm -hmm. as well. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about both and just how, how that goes to, to food security, because... You know, I think for most of us, we, we take the fact that we can have breakfast in the morning for, for granted, and yet um, it, that's not always the case, especially for, for students. Like, how how, how do you, and, and maybe it's, it's specific to you, your work, Danielle, but like, how do you try and tackle food security? Um, oh, wow. That's, that's a big question. That's a big question. But uh, no, absolutely. Like, we see food security as one of our number one issues here at St. Mary's with families and students. Um, and that's why we're feeding so many kids a day in our nutrition program. Um, but also beyond that, we have, like you mentioned, the attendance hamper. So we have a hamper that the Rotary Club has funded. It's a $400 grocery hamper uh, that we give out once a month to try and improve attendance at school. Um, and, you know, we really do see families uh, standing outside of that, looking at that hamper and being like, oh, how can we how can we get this food? You know, and so we explain the program. Um, and we don't want to encourage students to come to school sick. So... Uh, what we do is, as long as the parents are marking them absent on the, and it's an excused absent, they can be away sick, but as long as it's an excused absence, they're st still entered into that draw. Um, and we do that, uh, so there's about 10 hampers that we give away there per year. But then, um, just recently, uh, we our school received funding through Nutrien to do some Christmas hampers. So uh, for the next two years, I will be able to spend $5,000 per year uh, on Christmas hampers, which is a huge relief. I just got this news this week, and uh, thank you, Nutrien. Woo! Um, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Um, which is a big relief because... I mean, this year, more than ever, we've been seeing families just coming into the school. They're hungry. Uh, they're, and it's not easy to ask for food. So when, when a family comes to you and is asking for food, I think there's probably 10 other families who are struggling, right? So you're just seeing that small portion of families that is coming to you. But then to know that the problem, like it's like the iceberg effect is much bigger, right? And we don't see that. So I know families this year are, are hungrier than ever. Um, I know that's stemming from, you know, everything like increased prices with housing and gas and food um, and also the coming out of the pandemic. Um, we have an increased attendance. We have actually higher uh, number of kids enrolled here than we've ever had in the last three years, which is positive. So we're happy to see families and kids coming back to our school, um, but they're coming back and they're having more need. And so we're really trying to, I, I'm focusing on that specifically this year. Uh, I knew, I knew a couple weeks into the school year when I had about, I think it was, there was one week I had 15 families come to me asking for food. 
in one week. And it just, it sort of shocked me. And I was like, well, what can we do? So what I do, <laughs> I just sat down at my computer and started writing grants and asking for money. Um, so that's a big chunk of my job. I've spent probably the last two months at my computer writing grants to try and get the money into our school to pay for food. Or um, I also wrote, just finished a big grant um, to try and get some art programming into our school. So um, but yeah, really focusing on the food security this year. Um, yeah. Danielle, when, when you, like that first week, you were saying you've got 15 families mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. What, what, what are those conversations like for you? Um, well, I just know for me there, it's, it's just reality, right? It's just you, but I can see the look in the parents' eyes when they're asking, they don't want to ask and they're, shy or embarrassed and you know they don't have to be um because we're gonna do what we can to help like the moment they ask I jump you know and I'm that's just how I am I like let's help you know in, in any way we can so whether it's just you know going and getting a bread donation um we have a bread donation that comes in once a week it's all um it's not expired bread but it's like near expiration so we bring it into the school it's about 30 to 50 loaves and we just put that out at the front of the school families are able to take bread um even if it's all I can do is uh I have a relationship with CHEP they've given me some market coupons um so families can I provide the family with their market coupons and then they're able to just go purchase the food themselves um last year I had some money left over in my budget at the end of the year. So what I did is I just spent all of my remaining budget on grocery cards. And then, so this year I was able to start the year with grocery cards, handing out grocery cards to families to, um, we usually do it to Loblaws because there's a no frills in the area and a superstore. Um, so, and you can kind of get more bang for your buck at no frills. Um, so I was handing those out and yeah, no judgment to families. Like I know how fragile and how tough it is to like, you know, like we're all maybe one paycheck away from experience, some hardship or, you know, some food insecurity. So um, we try and do as much as, much as we can here. Do, do you, in, in your role, do you end up developing some pretty strong relationships with, with families then? Absolutely. I mean, I have a couple cookums who come and see me on occasion and we've, we've cried together and uh, had nice moments and, um, but it's a, it's, you know, it's a mutual relationship and they're giving me just as much as I'm giving them. So, uh, what do they give you? Um, just, there's a lot of humor and a lot of laughs and, you know, storytelling teachings. Um, and I think really like at the end of the day, like, um, we have a mutual, um, a mutual goal is, and that's like the education of their most precious little humans, right? They're, they're children. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering too, like you, you showed us so many u- unique spaces that the, the children can go here, um, and, and utilize and enjoy. But when, when someone's, when someone's hungry, when they come to school, like it's, is it sort of like all bets are off? Like it, it really can dictate things. Yes. Uh, food number one, as soon as a kid walks in the door, I don't care what time the student is coming. I'm like, have you eaten? Do you need some food? Because we know like kids can't learn if they don't don't have any food in their bellies, you know? So um, I'll take them to the kitchen. If they say, no, we haven't eaten today. So I'll take them to the kitchen and we'll get them something to eat. Um, And then some of our students are on um, 
are on medications as well. So we need to make sure that they have some food in their belly before they can even have their, their medication for the day and, and be able to sit and calm their bodies and their minds and be able to learn, you know. Otherwise, it's, yeah, all bets are off. <laughs> it, it is it is dawning on me that you have a lot of responsibility mm. in, in your job. Is that a fair thing to say? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, it doesn't... It, it does feel that way. I mean, the social worker and I were kind of laughing. It's like we're so busy and there's so much coming in all at one time. But um, I think we kind of work better that way. It's like, it's like if I was to just sit at my desk and, and not have all of these the busyness and the responsibility, then you would almost just sort of, I think, you'd become too complacent, right? So, mm. Wow. That's interesting because you don't strike me as a complacent person at all. <laughs> no, we're busy bodies here. I don't know. I think normally on any day I'm about 20,000 steps around this building and yeah. 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 Um, how, and this is another big question, but how do you know um, that that the work that you're doing, and I know it's not, it's not just you, it's it's everyone here, but like with with all your responsibilities, how do you know when 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 you're having an impact, a positive impact? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure if we ever know, really. Like, we do have outcome-based learning. So we, we do look at kids' education. I think, um, we, you know, the outcome that we look at is academics. So if a student is not coming often, their attendance is down, they're having some hardships at home, we try and get their attendance up. So as we look at attendance. So are they coming? Are their parents able to get them here? Um, that's one of our ways of knowing if we're having an impact. Number two, um, they're academics. So are they coming? The more students come, the better they're going to do on a day-to-day basis. And then we know we can develop those relationships with the families, um, and really get to know them. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just, I think it's just all based on kids coming through the door, doing their work, um, and and then when families are also comfortable to come into the building too, um, we know we're doing our jobs right. And on a day like today, because today is three-way conferences, mm-hmm. so you'll be seeing lots of lots of parents as well. I, I guess it's it's sort of a good checkup then to, to check in with families and see how everything, everything's going then. Yeah, I think the more we see parents coming through the building and interacting with the teachers um, in a positive way, uh, we always say to the teachers, you know, these three-way conferences is not to talk about what your student can't do. It's about to um, just positive reinforcement to the families because I think um, parents really need to hear some positives in their lives um, and not all like, oh, my, your student can't do this. It's what is your student good at and like how can we focus on that? So then the parents are going home feeling better about sending their kids to school, you know, and there's no negativity about coming to school. Like we have a lot of um, Indigenous families here, 95% of our students are Indigenous. So I think there's some stigma about coming to school, especially Catholic education with our history, with residential school. So we have, you know, a lot of families who have trauma about entering schools, especially a Catholic school. Um, so I think just seeing the families in the building and um, this year coming out of the pandemic, we're able to do, you know, parent nights, engagement nights. So we've seen a lot more families coming in. And so that's a way we can see that we're having an impact too on our community. Um, I, I had not considered that aspect, but that that's so interesting that you bring it up because 
like not not only are there are there challenges like in in regards to to food security and and economic challenges but then you have that cultural challenge how how do you and you touched on it a little bit but like how how do you begin to 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 tackle you know tackle that challenge um, well, I think we just try and meet our families with what they know. So we provide, like I said, we host for feasts here and we try and bring, you know, tradition and culture into the building. We don't just have Cree or Niheo, uh students. We also have Diné and Lakota, Dakota. So, I mean, I think the majority of our students are Nehio, so we try and uh, bring those traditions in, like I said, with the, the Cree education classroom. Um, learning the language. We sing O Canada and Cree every morning. Um, on Monday mornings, our school smudges together. So we have ceremony every Monday where we smudge with sage um, to start the week off in a good way. Um, we set up teepee here. We do ribbon skirt making. We do beading. We bring in as much cultural culture as we can uh, to try and bridge uh, that gap between um, our community and, and you know a lot of the times our families are urban indigenous so they've sort of lost that way of uh, tradition so also parents are learning too so it's really cool to see that that's interesting how, how do you how do you see that um, well we just see them coming and and they're saying oh you know I've never really been to a ceremony like this or Oh, I'm just learning my language, and our uh, our office coordinator, uh, Darlene, she's the best because she greets. She's Cree as well, and she greets everyone, um, you know, with her language. And then to see her interacting with the parents and teaching them some of the language too, and uh, yeah, I think parents get into it. They want they you know they want to learn what they've maybe lost or what they weren't able to learn as kids. So. Mm-hmm. It really does take a village, doesn't it? It it definitely does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it really does take a village. And uh, I think I think here at St. Mary's, and and you know what I've noticed about Pleasant Hill is everyone just um, really comes together. Like it's such a beautiful thing working in this community. I think everyone identifies the needs and works together to create. Um, a beautiful place for people to live. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have we know in Pleasant Hill there's, you know, some housing issues, some really terrible housing and rentals and and that sort of thing. But um, there's a strong community association in this area that's working to like better housing and roads and parks and to do all that too. So I think, uh, yeah, um, we're part of something really unique here in Saskatoon. Well, and and I think too when when a school is like working really well. Um, I think it can be really be like a hub of a community. And, and I, I know I haven't been here long, but I, I get that sense with, with all, with all the resources that you have here, but also like the, the, the way that you include the community too, like this is a hub, isn't it? It is a hub. Yeah. And so I think that's where you'll, you'll see that in the name of our building community or St. Mary's wellness and education center, you know, so we are a center and we do have, you know, we have this beautiful agility area and we have a group that comes in an indigenous uh, fitness group that comes in twice a week to teach like adult and kids, I guess, uh, community members, some fitness and it's all free. So they do like they have a running program and then they have, um, yeah. So, you know, you do see all of these outside organizations coming in and using this space as a, a hub for the community. Definitely. You must have a really detailed calendar to keep all this, 
Is, is that it there? No, I'm sort of embarrassed because um, my husband makes fun of me for this. I should be making more lists <laughs> and having a better calendar. Um, but a lot of it is like it's just every day is so different. Uh, I do have my scheduled things like when you guys were coming today or meetings or whatever <laughs> it is. But it's really hard to actually have a schedule here because, you know, the day is so different and you just have so many things things like it what do we call them when these fires we need to put out mm -hmm. you know so to speak and so every day is different I try not to schedule too much I do have my scheduled time with students and actually <laughs> that is very important because kids in this school really um, rely on like consistency and routine um, so that's my schedule that I keep is with the students that I work with what happens during those times? Uh, we do. Well, it depends on what the teacher has identified that they need extra support with. So some with some kids, it's, um, you know, it's reading, some it's math, but sometimes it's like extra social supports, um, like talking about anger or that sort of thing. But I don't sit down and just do that. Like we'll play a game a lot of the time or play cards and then that we work that in while we're playing a game you know uh, so that's my scheduled time with students it's usually um, you know 30 to 45 minute blocks and we come in here and we play games or we read a book together or it's I mean it's different with every student it's on a case-to-case -case basis so um, this is, as, as someone who was a teacher I lasted two years um, and then realized it, it was not for me and I wasn't I wasn't a good teacher so I I'm fascinated by how you are able to uh, connect with a, a student over something, say perhaps like an anger issue, but you, it's not like you sit down and write anger on the whiteboard no. behind you. Like how, how do you do this, Danielle? Well, so, I mean, I'm out on the playground with the kids too. So it's really just showing up and being there. And then you really get to know the kids. So um, showing up every day, developing relationships with the kids out on the playground, um, holding true to our meetings, you know, and that's how kids start to trust you. So that's like the first step. You have to really just show up and be there for them. And then um, once they trust you, then they start to let you in. Um, so, you know, with the little boy who has anger, I noticed I, by going out on the playground every recess and, and noticing him and how he interacts with the kids, you know, I started noticing certain trends and I was like, oh, so then when we sat down to work together, we were playing a game of uh, go fish, I think. And uh, we were talking about, you know, what happens out on the playground? All of a sudden I notice that something shifts, you know, and, and all of a sudden he gets angry and he pushes someone. And then, so we, we kind of work through that. He'll tell me why he starts feeling that way and then how we can, you know, how he can do better the next time. What, you know, what kind of supports he can, what he can do, like breathing, or if he needs to just get away and sit down quietly somewhere by himself, you know. So, yeah, that's sort of, I mean, that's just a small example, but yeah. But, but I think that's a really interesting example, because like you said, you have to earn the trust with the student before goldfish turns into a conversation about, about, right. about emotions. That's right, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just really about showing up consistently for these kids. That's it, at the end of the day. Um, I, like I said, there's some kids who have been in care um, at our school, and I, f I think um, trust is a big thing, and like not showing up is a big thing to them. So just showing up.
being there, food helps. I have snacks all the time. <laughs> and that always helps too. So, um, may, may I ask you a personal question? Sure. Um, when you have... When you have days where maybe it's a it's a very challenging day and the game of go fish doesn't go as well as as perhaps it it could have, um, are you able to leave that here or do you do you take that home? Uh, well, I mean, I try not to take it home as much as I can. I do have two of my own children at home too. Uh, I I have to be honest though. Yes, at the end of the day, um, going home, a lot of my energy has been given to these kids here. And at the end of the day, it's like, I don't have a whole bunch left, <laughs> you know? And so that patience and that um, calmness that I, I think I have here, I, I don't always, um, I'm not always able to bring that home with me. Um, I mean, of course we try, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I go with the philosophy, like kind of keep what, whatever I'm able to control, um, you know, there's that one, there's that prayer, the serenity prayer, I think they say, right? And it's like, whatever you can control, uh, how, how does it go? Uh, something, I don't know. But I, I just know whatever I can t- control, I can do that. And whatever's beyond that, I have to just, I have to just leave that because I, it is with outside of my control. And as much as we want to help and as much as we want to try, um, to help them with those other things, we can't, and we have to leave that. We here at St. Mary's are, uh, education focused and, uh, student first, right? So, um, outside of that, you have to just sort of leave it here. Is that something that you have learned through experience and, and through your, your years here and it, and in teaching? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, when I was young and, uh, well, I'm still youngish, but um, in my early years when I started, uh, I really think I tried to tackle too much and I didn't know the scope of what my role was. And I, I would often bring home some of these, you know, hardships like, and, you know, I'd think about them through the night. I still do. I still wake up sometimes and think about kids and then, you know, and summertime is a, tough time in particular because we we leave these kids behind for two months you know and and sort of to their own devices but yeah uh, I mean yeah it just the fact that you said um we leave these kids behind for two months and it's but but you're 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 a teacher like that this you know as someone who is married to a teacher like you get that that's your time off Mm -hmm. and it's well deserved because (laughs) you work your tails off here but it shows how much you like you care about these kids oh definitely we care about these kids I care about these kids um and I think everyone who works at St. Mary's cares about these kids you know um that's something this is a very challenging school to work at with a lot of um other issues and uh I mean we don't like we all show up because we love the kids and we come to this school because we love this community and we love what we're doing. You know, um, there's something beautiful about working with vulnerable people. It's, it's tough to see people in those situations, but also I think you really realize what's important in life. It's, um, our kids, um, there's humor, you know, people might not have a lot, but we still have our humor and we, you know, and we think about like, what's really important love food housing you know those types of things so yeah yeah um i may i be completely honest with you i was like i was so excited to speak with you um today because i want i wanted to learn 
more about like you know the the programming and the the impact and especially around food security but as i'm listening to you talk it's like oh gosh there's so there's so much more and i'm so i feel so lucky that you're sharing that right now cuz yeah it's more and obviously like food security is a part of it but like there's there's so much more isn't there there really is yeah. um yes this this job and you, i mean you could go interview any community school coordinator or Aboriginal student achievement coordinator, and you would get the same sort of answer. Like we have these people that are working that just love their job and just trying to give people a leg up, you know, a hand up instead of a handout, you know? Um, yeah, we really love what we do just because we want to help pe- people succeed and yeah. do their best, you know? And that's what people want for themselves mm-hmm. too. Right. So is, is this something you've always wanted to do in your life? No, it's weird. Um, it's not exactly what I've wanted to do. I, You know, when I was younger, I think I did think about being a teacher or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then, so my background is as a dietitian. I went to university and I got my degree in uh, my Bachelor of Science in Nutrition. And uh, But the course that really stuck out to me was my community course. And that's sort of where I fell in love with the uh, with Saskatoon as well, because I had just moved to Saskatoon to go to university. And so um, when we did our community course and we were going around to like Quint and Chep and, you know, the Friendship Inn and, you know, and I was finding out about these places, I think that's when I kind of fell in love with working with the core community of Saskatoon. And, um, and so when I graduated from university, Um, My first job out was actually with the school division, and I was running after-school programs at a school not too far from here. Um, And then I fell in love with the kids, and I fell in love with the job, and one of my mentors at that job was a community school coordinator, and so then that's sort of how I got into this role. Is is that the woman that's still here at... um... Like at at the school? Or no, that's a different mentor. That was a different mentor at uh, St. Goretti, yeah, yeah. It, but it must be neat to have these mentors in your life to like really like to guide you down this path because like you're obviously doing amazing work, but it must be nice to have those types of mentors. Well, when I started, I was like the baby on the job. So I there was I think there was um, a group of women. I there was at that time it was all women. There was eight women who were all like in their you know mid fifties. Um, you know there were at the end of their career and I was at the beginning of my career. So they really shaped, um, and they were the, like the community education people, like community education came in in the eighties as a way to help out these, um, poor neighborhoods in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. And so I really learned everything I could from them. And, um, like I said, uh, Cecile Smith, who's one of my mentors, who was here at St. Mary's for 25 years. I still call her up on the phone, you know, to get help. And her grandson works here. And, you know, so it's just really, it is actually like a family. Like, it's a community. It's a family. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been very generous with your time. I just have a couple quick questions sure. before you continue with your okay. day. Um, we are, so this podcast is going to air in December, holiday season. Um, it's a busy time of, of year. How... It, is it an exciting time of year or is it one of those times where it's like, oh boy, like pedal to the metal kind of deal? Uh, so in education, I think most educators would say December and June are like two of the craziest months of the year. <laughs> um, all schedules go out the window <laughs> in December. Uh, 
it's exciting because here I am uh, have a couple programs running where I'm going to be able to deliver food hampers to 50 families. And so it's exciting and fun to do that sort of work. Um, also, we have uh, Karen Share is coming into our school and they serve our whole school like a beautiful holiday lunch. Uh, and they do that to all the community schools in Saskatoon. So Karen Share is like one of our great partners that we love to work with. Um, but then also exciting, I uh, have worked with three different organ or four organizations in Saskatoon who donate a present to every single student in our school. And so every kid have, has given already their three wishes and every student will get a present. So we get to deliver those. Um, yeah, right at Christmas time. So it's so fun. How, how does it, the fact that you get to deliver those gifts, but then also like you're going to deliver the food hampers. And again, congratulations on getting the funding to make sure that happens. Like on, on those days, what goes through your mind? Um, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful for um, people coming together to help, um, you know, the common good, like these these beautiful little kids. Um, I'm grateful uh, that that maybe I don't have to access some of these. I don't have to rely on a Christmas hamper myself. You know, I'm just, I'm just grateful this time of year that um, we're able to do what we can. I mean, it's never enough. Uh, we always want to do more, but it's just nice to have that extra uh, boost this time of year to provide that to families. You have been listening to episode four, season five of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and thank you again to Danielle Hofford for not only being on the podcast, but for the wonderful tour of St. Mary's. It really is a wonderful place. If you want to see pictures of Danielle and the school, simply search YXE Underground on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can also find photos on the website, yxeunderground.com. Listen to YXE Underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and the website. And a big thank you to my friend Rana Andres for taking such great photos for this episode. I also want to thank my cousin Andrew Dixon for creating the music for the podcast and to Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for maintaining the website. This episode was supported by Rob Romvi and his team at Romvi Wealth Management Group of RBC Dominion Securities in North Battleford. Rob is a dear friend of mine. He has just the best family and his team has taken care of my finances for many years now. He's been a true supporter of the podcast since day one and I'm just so grateful for his continued support and generosity. So Rob, thank you very much. A few notes before I go. I want to let you know that YXC Underground has new zip-up hoodies featuring a special logo designed by Saskatoon's Craig Wilson, who also designed the YXC Underground logo. They sell for $55 and you can reach me through social media or the website if you would like one just in time for the holiday season. Thanks to Saskatoon's Motif Marketing for making these zip-ups happen just in time, like I said, for the holidays. I also want to thank you for your incredible generosity in buying new podcast t-shirts. We were able to raise $1,500 in sales for the Saskatoon Friendship Inn, which will be matched by Nutrien as part of the Friendship Inn's Fill the Plate campaign. So we actually raised $3,000. That's just awesome. I, and I can't thank you enough for supporting not only the Saskatoon Friendship Inn, but obviously the podcast as well um, in this way. It's it's a really big number and the, the Friendship Inn is just doing such incredible work. So thank you, thank you very much. And finally, be on the lookout for a special bonus episode of YXC Underground on December 20th featuring Adrienne Van Gool, who is releasing her debut book, 
early in 2023. I had a chance to sit down with Adrienne to talk about her book. It's called The Journey of Self-Care to We Care. It's a really interesting book and I had just a, a really fascinating conversation with her. So I can't wait to share that with you on December 20th. Now, before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were gathered on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXA Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.